is he just completely retarded and doesn't understand what a fucking time zone is. Hello and welcome to episode number 32 of Grumpy Old Benz. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where the weather looks like it's going to be crappy for Halloween so even need to buy candy. Well from America's left coast where our virtue signal has been blinking for the last 15 miles I'm Ryan Bemrose and uh, I, I can tell you what I don't need that candy. <laughs> Turn that damn virtue signaling off and today's show we're trying something a little bit different. Because as you may have known, you may have heard, if you're following along, Ryan complains about me not letting him speak his mind about whatever topics he wants to do. So today is the revenge of the Bemrose. Today is all Bemrose all the time. It is it is stump the band because I have no idea what's coming in this well, episode. I'm just along for the ride. That's an interesting way to characterize it. The, the other way that I would say is that uh, so far for 31 shows in a row, we've always gone into the show with some kind of topic beforehand. And uh, I made the I'm, I made the decision that that seems to be stifling our, our creative spirit, having to be constrained <laughs> by a topic. So having a clue about what we're talking yeah, about, having is any us idea down. what we want to talk about is is really stifling our creative spirit. So I we've just gone away with that. Actually, uh, uh, the the topic that I thought I was going to do and and you oh, wait, had wait, wait I, I I think we have a title for the show already blitzed in the no agenda troll room insane in the bem brain I like that <laughs> I like you know. that a lot and if you're not in the no agenda troll room come on in for our shows live no stream.com so I have a a list that I keep of short topics that you won't let me cover and some of them are because you you think you would disagree with me and therefore uh, you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to suffer the wrath of my wit and I get that. (laughs) Uh, But the other ones are the topics that you think, you know, there's just not that much to talk about. Uh, And uh, so I thought I'd start by bringing one of those and uh, maybe, maybe do a little bit of an interview here. Uh, What I want to talk about is accessibility, Um, which is kind of a computer topic in so much as uh, Software developers uh, build user interfaces and user interfaces need to be accessible, not just for the people who happen to be the developer, but also for people who might be disabled or or otherwise not doing that well. Uh, you know, visual impairments, uh, learning impairments, uh, you know, uh, retardation due to excessive socialism, that sort of thing. <laughs> and so that's that's the tech side but uh accessibility can of course have a lot to do with more than that and uh i happen to be co-hosting with a uh genuine visually impaired individual so i thought i'd uh just start off you've you've talked about this on random thoughts but i don't know if you've ever really talked about uh your your impairment on grumpy old bends well it's well it's too depressing when you <laughs> really start getting into it it uh, comes down uh a couple oh, of we're years not here ago, to had sympathize. A that would be depressing. We're here to laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. You know, had a retinal detachment that just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't stay up multiple surgeries. And by the time they got the retina to stay up a, you know, vast majority of vision in my right eye is gone. And the left eye has never been great. I've always had a bunch of, uh, you know, a huge astigmatism. So horrible vision to begin with. 
but also with a bunch of floaters. And if anybody you know deals with floaters, which I have as a kid Only in the toilet, it can be very hard to to read. And when you only have one eye, if that floater is kind of in the middle, it's, you know, it's, it's little things in the eye that cast a shadow upon the retina and they move around and they float around all day long. So, you know, just kind of think like you kind of see little bugs or whatever you think you might be seeing in your vision moving around. That's basically what floaters look like. And it was, so my eyes were never good and losing the vision in the right eye certainly didn't help. And I mean, I've been giving a lot of thought to the accessibility because knowing this can happen the uh you know as of this point i can still get along and i can do the stuff with one eye that i can read well enough i mean you can make fonts big enough in your computer screens and you can do all that kind of stuff but uh, I, I can say that if the same thing were to happen to my left eye this whole internet and computerized world to me i think would be pretty much done because i don't think it's set up in a way to you for somebody who you can't read and you can't see well enough to do that. I mean, I don't know how you do stuff like the uh, troll room, you know, the chat rooms or Twitter and all that. I don't see how you do that without being able to read and scroll through things. And, uh, you know, maybe I just haven't been covering it because it's a very depressing topic if you want to sit there and, uh, and dwell on what could happen. And I understand there are people in that predicament at this point that don't have vision well enough to read who can't deal with a lot of the stuff on the web and i go really i can see both sides of it from being a web developer i know how hard it is to make a website that would be accessible to all and i understand there's a lot of people that are putting up websites and i think there's also a difference between massive companies i mean apple i think have the funds to be able to have a website that is uh have ways to make it accessible to everybody small podcasts and stuff, you know, like grumpy old Ben's, you know, guys that aren't making any money that are putting up a blog. If you have to start putting a lot of time and effort into getting something that is, you know, deemed to be acceptable, you know, a lot of, a lot of them don't have the means to do so. And that would just have all of that content go away. And I don't know if I would ever want to get to the point where it'd be like, well, Hey, if you can't put up a website that's accessible for this group, then you can't have it up at all. So, I mean, I know you've got your well, own I, issues being with the colorblindness. I, I can assure you that grumpy old Ben's, we have put forth the necessary effort in order to make our podcast accessible for the visually impaired. Yes, it's great. You it's can hear audio our beautiful voices. Podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're not doing video. So, it, so it's one of those things where, you know, that's why I, I know you hate the talking tubes, but again, for a guy that just basically went blind in one eye and said, okay, now if I go blind in the other, I like the idea of what those talking tubes can do. Well, you're one of the few people that I can think of uh, other than, than sheer laziness or, or the contrived example of, of your working in the kitchen or doing housework and want to work on a computer at the same time. Uh, you're one of the few people that I can actually see the, the benefit to have having a computer that you talk to instead of of look at because for me the idea you know the idea of talking to a computer has been with us since uh for as long as there have been computers really i mean i remember open the pod bay doors hell i yeah i, I mean that happened uh with the the movies have been pushing them uh you know i might 286 back in the day came with uh 
a piece of software that would uh, read text aloud to me. And it did an awful job. I couldn't make out a single word, <laughs> but it, it was software there. I mean, the, I mean, Star Trek was the computer had the interface was just a bunch of blinking dots on the screen. Nobody could tell what was going on there. So what was the main interface with the computer? You talk to it, which works really well in Hollywood. And we, we've been doing that for a long time. But talking to a computer, to me, has always been slow and cumbersome and a lot more difficult than simply reading words on the screen and entering them into a keyboard. And it also comes with the extra awkwardness factor of what if there are more than one person in the same room? For example, uh, a lot of companies have open office floor plans where you don't have an office, you have a cubicle. And if everybody is talking to their computer there, it's going to be chaos. But yeah, it's uh, certainly going to get confusing. I mean, I am glad that that the the technology that enables us to uh, talk to our computers and get them working is working for you. And the only thing that it required was that we sell our soul and all of our data to big Silicon Valley database companies. So, I mean, I hope the price wasn't too high. Well, you never know. It's going to be in the long run. You're going to see how the privacy issues are going to play out. As with all new technologies, I think there is a period of the wild wild west where just about anything can happen and so it does and then it gets to the point to where people realize what's going on and sometimes those things get better of course sometimes they get worse but i think as the technology gets there you'll have machines that you can buy that will have this same capability as far as being able to listen to you right now i mean the biggest downfalls on these the talking tubes as you call them is that they're all connected to a big online service. I think we're getting to the point, we're not quite there yet, I don't believe, that you can buy a machine like you'd buy a Linux machine, Windows machine, Mac now, and have the ability for it to understand your voice commands and for it to do what you want and have no real difference to the outside world as a normal, you know, whether you're typing into it or whether you're talking into it, the outside world won't know, but I don't think we're there yet, but I do think we're going to get there. A lot of people don't realize when you talk to Siri was really the first one everybody start using. And it, it made me kind of laugh when, when Siri first started, the, the concept of what was going on was lost on most people who were act actually using the device, which is you weren't talking to your phone and your phone was understanding you and executing the command. When you Although spoke the, into the your data, iPhone, the, the processing requirements are immense for trying to do that sort of thing. And early on, right. your iPhone didn't have that much processor power. No, it took your audio. It sent it to the mothership and the mothership figured out what you were saying. And a lot of people didn't realize that. And for a while, I mean, if you remember, everybody kind of freaked out, like <gasps> everything I say, Apple hears. And then it seems like about you know a year later, it's like, eh, who cares? Yeah. It's an interesting thing to watch. Well, people, people can We've discussed this before on this show. People can get used to a whole lot of, of privacy invasion as long as it improves their convenience. Well, because the, yeah, until you see a consequence of the privacy invasion, a lot of people don't care. And, you know, I understand that to a certain point, and I understand to a certain point, the people that say, well, I have nothing to hide. Who cares? Who's looking? That is a terrible as argument. We've talked about, it, it is a terrible it doesn't argument. matter where you are, what you're talking about. That is a terrible argument. 
Well, it is, but it's what's being used because of the laziness factor, I guess, more than anything else. I I just have to mention the nothing to hide argument is is a class of logical fallacy or informal fallacy that I refer to as the uh, the argument from lack of imagination. Uh, the, the, the most basic form of that is when, uh, you know, I actually had somebody tell me this as, as if it proved their point was saying, well, I can't imagine why you would ever need a rifle for anything but hunting. And I was, my, my only response was, well, your lack of imagination doesn't, unfortunately doesn't justify laws, but unfortunately, you know, here on the left coast, it actually does, but that's exactly what the nothing to hide is. I can't possibly imagine what I have or what I could lose by doing this. And, you know, this is one of those cases where what you don't know can hurt you. But anyways, well, no, you're absolutely right. And we're living in a society now that is completely different than when we grew up, which I'm going to say this almost every show. It seems I can't believe we're at the point where we are i just talked about on the most recent random thoughts and if you're not listening to random thoughts go to randomthoughts.com r-a-n-d-u-m-b thoughts.com i talked in the episode i posted yesterday about the houston astros who are in the world series major league baseball having big big problems with nobody watching the world series but Uh, wait is the world series going on i had no idea yes believe it or not but, but they have the closer on the houston astros it's a guy named robert uh or roberto ozuna And he was with Toronto, I think it was last year, and had a domestic violence suspension, 75 days. It was the mother of his child said that he hit her, whatever it was. Uh, Then she refused to prosecute. She didn't press any charges. But of course, Major League Baseball and their infinite wisdom, you know, that's when your employer is the morality police, when your employer is the one investigating crimes, I really start to worry about that. But well, that's that's um, called the that, HR department. Yeah. Well, that's, and beyond that, in this case, so he he did his time. He did a suspension last year. He's been the closers with the Astros. I haven't been following along closely enough, but from what I read, he's been instrumental in getting them to the World Series. And it seems like there have been some female reporters that have been, you know, very negative about him even being on the team. And this is a case of the black or white thing. This is the Trump derangement syndrome. You're either with us or you're against us. And after the game the other night in the clubhouse, the assistant general manager yelled in the direction of three female reporters. I'm glad we got Ozuna. I'm so fucking glad we got Ozuna. I'm glad we got Ozuna. He yelled that. That's like something like a half a dozen times, whatever it was. But that's what he said. There was nothing else. There was no, you know, I'm glad he beat his girlfriend. I think he should beat you. There was nothing crazy like that. Just I'm glad we got Ozuna in the direction of some female reporters. He was promptly fired. I don't get this world that we live in. The guy did his time. He did his suspension. And some of these articles that you see following this are, oh, well, yeah, he got fired. But the reason he got fired, I'll still be sitting in the bullpen on Friday night. I don't get it. I well, mean, the guy wasn't convicted of anything, but if you say you have nothing to hide, this is, you know, I guess getting a very loud, easy point in, in a very long story, but very simple things like a general manager saying, I'm glad we've got this guy on our team is getting him fired. So you may not think you have anything to hide, but you've said something that pissed somebody off. Trust me. Well, as, as a, as a point that you've made on several episodes of random thoughts by now, uh, it, this all makes perfect sense 
if you take it in the context that somebody somewhere high up in Major League Baseball is doing their damnedest to push the sport as far as they can toward its ultimate demise in obscurity, because they're taking everything that is interesting and fun out of the sport and injecting virtue signaling and social justice and all of the things that make the the kind of diehard sports fans go, eh, you know what? I, I got something better to do. Yeah. And my sports only, used to be a way to get away from politics. Now it is politics. And my only question to you with regards to baseball, which I, I have to admit, I haven't been following. In fact, if it, if it wasn't for Dvorak bringing it up on no agenda yesterday, I don't think I'd even have realized that the World Series was going on. Is do you think that uh, the is it is it Astros? Yes. Do, do you think the Astros are going to make it to the Super Bowl this year? Maybe you never know. Okay, you're mixing your metaphors and your sports, but that's okay. You're in Seattle. It's there. We'll, it's we'll all it sports slide. ball. <laughs> it's all one big ball. Actually, those, I mean, are the, those are the those are the only two sports together. left in Seattle after <laughs> after the NBA fucked our city over. I think I have to go back to hockey. I do. I, I uh, used to, growing up, it was all hockey and all uh, and all baseball for tonsil me. Tonsil hockey. There's really, a sport I can get behind. What kind of hockey? Tonsil hockey. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I was talking the ice hockey thing. So, but, uh, in my experience, uh, Windows is better at accessibility than uh, than a lot of the software out there, but still has some foibles. Uh, I have my own stories about this, but what I'd like to hear. Uh, is can can you lay down some stories some examples of what things that that your eyesight or whatever have made uh, unreasonably difficult in in using i i want to know like things where you're you just get really frustrated you got any examples that do you ever get frustrated i've been trying for 30 <laughs> plus episodes well yeah you're not going to frustrate me but the reading you know that just is the give hardest me time thing. <laughs> I liked uh I really I will get you to was, go full episode twenty-four before we <laughs> <laughs> I started getting into reading comic books on the Apple iPad. You know, that's right. One of the reasons I got the I think they're twelve point nine, the big iPad Pro, and was really enjoying that right before the, the retina went down. And reading in that kind of a format is probably the hardest thing. Um, you know, every doing little things, you know, kind of going if you can make the the fonts large enough going through some web pages and stuff like that. You can make it work. Um, you know, and I think this is a case again, and not necessarily just from having only one eye, but having the fact that the, the existing eye has all of those floaters in it. There are people that have one eye and if it's good and the vision's good and you don't have the floaters, you don't really have that big of a difference. I mean, the thing that I was, I wasn't really that surprised by because I never thought either. I don't think I've ever really had great depth perception because that was the one thing where it's like, well, when you're down to the one eye, everybody's like, well, you might take a while for you to be able to have that depth perception, get back to where you're, you know, grabbing at things and you're, you think they're closer or further than they are. And I really didn't notice any change in that, which I guess is, you know, both good and bad. Uh, maybe just never had the the good depth perception to begin with, but I mean, the problem with the bad eye is that it's a, um, you know, it's it's still there, which is, again, both good and bad, because I know they're working well, it's, on It's certainly things. good that it's still there. I think you'd miss <laughs> it if it were gone. I, yeah, I would. 
because I mean, it's nice that you still First can all, see you, some you light, weird. some color out of that. Well, yeah, but it still has issues with, uh, you know, kind of seeing, um, you know, different little light shows, stuff like that just will still happen randomly. And, you know, as you know, if you have, you know, both eyes, you can't necessarily tell what one eye is seeing and what the other is. So a lot of times if that, if the eye is acting up, it's kind of like seeing a, you know, a fog over all of the vision where, you know, I think if that eye wasn't there, you know, the one eye might actually do better on its own. But then if the eye's not there and they come up with a way to do a retinal synthetic retina or a retinal replacement, then you have nothing to, to put it in. So, you know, we're kind of in a wait and see pattern as far as that goes. And, you know, the more you kind of live with it, it becomes normal and the brain does a lot of very interesting things. I mean, a lot of people don't even realize that the the signals that are coming into your brain, your sight, everything is actually upside down and your brain kind of converts that over. So you feel like you're right side up and your brain does a lot of this filling in of what actually comes in, in your field of vision. So most people, including me, when you have the floaters, they're there, but you know, there are times you don't really pay any attention to them. They're still there, but your brain's going, no, no, I know what this is. I mean, this is really kind of like the brain's version of Adobe's part that we talked about when doing, you know, the deep fakes and stuff where you can put a little lasso tool and go around a person in a picture and click one button and they're gone and you can see what was behind them. The computer's guessing what should be behind them. Your brain actually does this naturally, which is kind of amazing to me. Because the, the brain just, is the most powerful pattern matching computer that we've ever encountered. Nothing Nothing that comes out of the tech industry can even compare in terms of pattern matching. No. So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, when you look into all this stuff, uh, the technology will probably get there. And uh, that's what we're waiting on. But I mean, otherwise, it's just kind of a a case for me where at right now, everything just takes maybe a little bit longer to read through something, to find something on the screen. You, uh, you know, you, you turn the little thing on on Windows, you can hit the control key and a little uh, circle will come out from the uh, from the pointer so you can find it and it, I mean it really that might not even be horrible except for the fact that I use three monitors so yeah. uh, you uh, know even <laughs> right off the bat that's hard to find the, I was uh, the say, mouse I, sometimes I have I have two working eyes and I keep that feature on precisely <laughs> because on multi monitors it's easy to lose that little tiny that, especially since I don't use a dark theme that that's that's another feature we can talk about but uh i don't use a dark theme which means all of my windows are bright white and if the cursor's white it's hard to see with two eyes well and you've got probably more issues than i do because even though my vision has been decreased and one eye is more or less gone except again seeing some lights and you can see uh you know some color and stuff through there uh, i can still see the full color spectrum which we've i think we may have hinted about a couple of times on the show very simple things like the audio program that we're using to record the show online, they have a little feature that has a little hand that if you, if this mainly for shows, if you had three or four or five people on one show, they could click the hand and the host would know, Hey, they want to say something. Now, yes, when you click hand. that hand, it disappears because it, <laughs> it lights up for me, but on your end, it disappears because of the way the colors are. And a lot of people, like I said, I, I think you have more problems when it comes to 
interacting with this, you know, the World Wide Web and websites like that, because people really aren't building for colorblind accessibility. Yes. I was a computer. I mean, I was a web guy for years and never even considered it because it was never brought up. Nobody ever was like, we well, you know you shouldn't have the red and green and together like this because there are some people who just can't see it. Yes. As, as you've, as you've hinted at and actually just said, uh, and, and as we've mentioned a couple times, uh, I was born with a genetic condition known as uh, CVD color vision deficiency which is more colloquially known as I'm colorblind. Uh, wh- what that actually means, I'll describe in a moment, but I do have to stop for a moment and ask the question that I know is on the mind of all of our sexy female listeners right now. And that is, do you look good in an eye patch? <laughs> Doesn't everybody? I mean, it is uh, Halloween it's coming up. So it, it's, it's that pirate kind of thing. There, there are certain... There are certain cuts of eyebrow hair that do not work with the eye patch at all. <laughs> well, we it looks like the, you're covering uh, some kind of forest behind there. Yeah, and go on. You know, I'm forgetting the his name, but the congressman who just uh, was elected with the one eye came the combat vet. Uh, man, he looks pretty good in eye patch. You know, it's it can be done. I mean, it's you know, as it, really for me, it, it's come down to the realization that yeah, this all sucks, but I can still get through my day-to-day what i need to do it's just making sure the other eye doesn't have the same problem and i think i do have a better surgeon now and i do believe that um it could have been prevented which is the tragedy of all this being that it was at a point where i had a different insurance where they needed a referral which is just the most asinine thing when it really comes down to it because i was at the retinal you need a referral for an eye patch? No, to get the eye. Before, this started, the retinal detachment started as a small retinal hole. Oh. And I went in oh, okay. on a Monday and, oh, you need a referral from your GP in order for them to laser that up. It was thought that it could have probably been taken care of with a simple laser, which I had had a few times before in both eyes because the my retinas are very stretched. Uh, but they thought that the hole could have probably been taken care of. But by the time they're like, well. Yeah, get the referral and, you know, come back on Friday and we can do it. But by Friday, it had detached. So, yay. Oh, yeah. You don't fuck around with retinal detachment. The moment that that shit starts, you get a few hours before uh, that you need treatment before it's it's all over. That that stuff goes fast. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a little hole and then, uh, yeah, it detached. And unfortunately... The, you know, first detachment surgery didn't work. Then neither did the second. And the guy we were going to was like, well, I'm not really sure what to do. He recommended me to another dude who was uh, younger and maybe better at what he does. And he was the one that did the final surgery where they went in and put in the buckle, which is basically a little silicon uh, like O-ring that they sew into the back of your retina to hold it up, which I don't know why it wasn't done earlier being that i know guys in their 60s who had this done you know decades ago but uh you know again there's only so much you can do by looking back and trying to and trying to arm uh you know armchair quarterback the thing so most people think that the o-ring is sexier in the mouth but you just had one installed in your (laughs) eye yes in the back of the eye which people when you hear the story of you know oh yeah they make a little slit in your eyeball you know they put this little rubber o-ring actually cut open your eyeball (laughs) well you have to to get the o-ring into the eye so then when you, when they cut it open, I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta wonder this. Oh, 
I really shouldn't say, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> if they cut open your eyeball, the, the juice starts leaking out. Do they have to try to put it back in? Well, the, it comes back in actually naturally, but they had, you know, there's two different ways to deal with the detachments where the first one was, um, you know, the biggest downfall of the retinal detachment surgery for most uh, people that have it is that you have to remain face down after the surgery. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. That just seems like a, a horrible idea. And it was in a place well, with, where with proper microphone positioning, I bet you could. <laughs> you, right. You probably could. Um, it was in such a place where they used a liquid in the eye, which m- for the first surgery meant I had to stay instead of face down, I had to stay face up, sitting up. So sleeping in a recliner, stuff like that. But I figured that was kind of easier. Uh, but the eye is actually still filled with a silicone oil, which was what they put in in the last surgery to to keep the retina up. And it's just never been taken out because one, the retina is staying up. And the doctor said, well, it can be taken out, but there's so little vision in that eye right now. It's one of those things to where yeah, probably better off not to touch it until there's actually a a reason to and the possibility of maybe trying to do something to uh to restore the vision but right now it is it's retinal scarring due to all the surgery so the area which is about you know at least three quarters or so of the vision that is dark is because there's scarring on the retina and the retina is so thin that if you go in and try to you know take the scar tissue off you'll probably just take the retina right with it and lots of fun stuff but yeah so they had the- to open up your eye and put the little o-ring in and my i've got a buddy who has uh, ms and that is just some horrible stuff to deal with and that's not a fun that is not a fun disease. No. And, and telling him some of these stories, you're like, I don't even want to hear that. And I'm like, okay, so I know that's bad. Nobody, everybody's very sensitive about the whole eye thing. And I understand why. Well, the, the squeakiness factor just went through the roof and I'm sure we just lost all of our new listeners that we picked up. <laughs> thanks to our, uh, the brilliant plug by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak for which we are thankful uh, to, uh, to push our show. In fact, uh, we we even got a new a new station ID bumper for it. You're listening to the Grumpy Old Benz. Yeah, Grumpy Old Benz runs all the time. Two old guys yelling at the cloud. Darren O'Neill and Sir Ryan Bemrose. Neither one of you are that old. GrumpyOldBenz.com. See that yeah, we're that not is old. As, we got as ringing an endorsement. They're not all that old. That is as ringing an endorsement <laughs> you're going to get out of John C. Dvorak. That's true. That is absolutely true. We were happy to know he was checking out the No Agenda Stream. There's always something fun going on over there where Grumpy Old Beds is always featured. NoAgendaStream.com. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's the network that, uh, that I get my podcasts from, I'll tell you that. I also put my yeah, podcast the on there, director. but that's a, special, yeah, that's a special case. Yeah. So yeah. one in 20, one in 19 uh, Americans it has some kind of color blindness. Uh, which is why it always surprises me when there are designers out there who don't think about or don't even consider that somebody might see color differently. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 one question that I get a lot is, uh, well, uh, you know, what does such and such look like? And they'll point to something. I mean, that every single person who has color blindness, the, you say, you know, oh yeah, I, you know, I'm colorblind. And they'll say, oh, yeah, and then point to something and say, well, what does that look like? And I'll, I'm like, it, it's green, you fucker. But you're, you're asking the wrong question, because what do I see and what do you see? Almost certainly something different. But yes, 
you know, for, for as long as either of us have been alive, you've had a teacher when you were a kid point to something and you register a, a set of responses in your head that your eyeball sends to your brain. And then your teacher says that's green. And so you now in your head, whenever you see something that looks like that, you go, oh yeah, that's green. Well, I do exactly the same process. Somebody points to something and oh, that's, that's green. Okay. I see a thing in my head. That's green. Well, the only difference is that when you point to something that's red, my eyeball sends the same signals as when you point to something that's green. So I was a very confused child when people were trying to teach me my colors because they'd point to something and say, you know, what color is that? That's green. Uh, What color is that? That's also green. No, that's red. You're a stupid little boy. That's I I don't think (laughs) some, some of my teachers may have actually said that, but the, the, the difference is not, you know, you, you, the, the question of what does that look like? Well, if I can tell the color at all, then I, I'll give you the right answer because I've always been taught that. But when looking at two different colors, the, the real difference is that if you look at, say, something that's red next to something that's green, you're going to see a contrast. I'm not going to see a contrast. Uh, so Christmas just must look completely different. Um, I, I mean, I can see light. So the tree has a bunch of lights on it. That's, that's what Christmas is, right? Uh, I tell you what, in our household, we decorate the tree with blue and silver. Nice. Well, the real, the real problem comes when, uh, you know, when, when I have to tell, you know, if, if somebody is conveying information, this is where we finally go back to accessibility. Somebody is conveying information by the color. Uh, we've all seen, for example, those uh, LEDs on consumer products that they'll they'll be, uh, you know, uh, oh, what's an example? My my uh, charger for my phone, uh, and I've said this before, will be red if it's charging and green if it's fully charged. And I can tell that it's on. I I can tell that the LED is working, but when it changes color, yeah, the LEDs are about the worst. It looks the same. Well, how about stoplights? I mean, that is probably the worst co- combination of colors. And if you see red and green as the same, well, there's, and- there's fortunately I get, and I, I can drive and I do drive. Um, I, I have the advantage that red is almost always on top. Um, except when it's not, but you know what? We just kind of <laughs> go by what the other cars are doing. And, and if my experience is, is anything of driving in, in the left coast, it's, that what the stoplights are doing are not necessarily correlated to what the cars are doing anyway. And since you don't get in an accident by hitting a stoplight, um, doing what the other, you know, reacting to the other cars is safer anyway. But in, in most places, the red is the top one and the green is the bottom one. So that's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, there, (laughs) and, and Blitz just pointed out in the chat room, the big, if that, uh, it kind of causes problems, which is when the stoplight is horizontal. Um, I, I have been places in, uh, uh, he mentioned Texas where, uh, the, the, in one place, the city might put red on the right. And in other places, the city might put red on the left because there's no real standard. And then, you know, again, it, it's really a matter of, of if everybody else is stopping, then you stop. And if they're not stopping, then. Well, they're probably running red lights anyway, so I mean that's a safe bet, right? 
It makes sense. So basically, then I understand why, even though we have the technology with to do one light, that why that'll never happen, because having the lights for a traffic light in a particular order, whether it's top to bottom, left to right, whatever, means something. And that's you can't just go to one light. Otherwise, folks like you, then you'll be going through lights willy nilly. Who's to say I don't? I mean, let's be honest here, (laughs) but it's not necessarily because I can't tell. Uh, There's yeah, like I said, there's two things. One is the position of the light, which, although not necessarily consistent across the whole country, most of the places, the the red is on the top and the green is on the bottom. Uh, But the other advantage that I have, uh, you know, I have uh, I actually have one of the less one of the more benign versions of colorblindness uh there's the the main there's mainly six different versions uh but uh there's there's three color options kind of two really yeah um <laughs> i have what is called uh a deuter anomaly which means that the uh i might get this wrong the red you know the the eyeball has three different types of cones red blue and green and my green ones don't no red ones one of them don't detect the correct frequency and the, that's why they're they're sending a different signal is that the frequency of my red cones and the frequency of my green cones uh they're detecting almost the same frequency instead of being evenly spaced uh but uh the stoplights the red is a i mean from from where i'm sitting the red is a dark red uh, the yellow is a bright yellow, which is good because otherwise the red and yellow could actually be a concern. Yellow being right. a combination you at least see of something's green. changing then. So I see I see the brightness change. And then to me, the green is actually the brightest one of all. Uh, it looks almost white. And that depends on on the installation, because, of course, you know, bulbs change colors and fade as time goes by. Uh, but the prescribed color for green in stoplights and a lot of people don't realize this but if you look at one carefully you realize it's actually cyan uh which is a blue green and people have always been said oh yeah that's the green light that's the green light people told the green light it's the same as learning colors everybody says that light is green but if you look really carefully it is a blue green and why is that helpful well because i can tell blue all day long Blue is a great color. I love blue. I'm a big fan of blue (laughs) because it doesn't look like red or green, which means that I have the dark red or the whitish blue. And those are things I can usually tell. So that's really what's going on in my head. Uh, Now, that said, uh, you know, if I've got a passenger in the passenger seat of my car and the topic comes up about, oh, I'm colorblind, then they'll inevitably point to a light and go, well, how can you tell whether that's red or green? And I said, I don't, I just, you know, <laughs> who knows? I, I mean, I've gotten us here alive so far. What's you, what are you complaining about? I'm really good at guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at any given stoplight, I got a 50, 50 chance and I've been lucky so far. Yes. And really <laughs> since the eye issues, I haven't been driving a whole lot uh, because it's just not comfortable to do so i mean i can get around if i need to go you know a few minutes away not a big deal but my wife who drives back and forth to work every day it's like a 45 minute trip each way 
has been telling me that it's getting worse and worse, that there's people running red lights with almost oh, um, I was, regularity I was getting worse and worse. You're driving or, or theirs theirs. I okay. mean, it's just, I think that really the distracted driving stuff is a real problem with people looking at their phones, talking on their phones, don't worry, watching porn, you as, know, whatever they're doing. As soon as 5g is rolled out, it will all get better. <laughs> Because just wait till it's beamed right into your brain, yeah. man. In fact, in fact, people will be people will be Instagramming while driving on their ocular implant. Well, then you don't even need to drive because the cars will be doing it for you. As we talked about a couple episodes <laughs> yeah, ago, we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is why I, I'm not sure that's going to happen in our lifetime. Probably not. I mean, not safely anyway, but I mean, because it all comes down to the question there becomes. If the vehicle is deciding what to hit when it comes down to, it's going to hit something. There's going to be a collision when oh, the okay. vehicle if, decides if, if that, rather than the human. If that lawsuits. decision comes up, you've already done something horribly wrong. But it's yeah, but it comes down to lawsuits. I mean, it could just be you're driving down the expressway. Everything's fine. And there's a wreck going the other way. And all of a sudden that's in your, you know, that's going across the three lanes of traffic and when the the vehicle decides who to hit and somebody dies the driver is no longer sued it's the car maker and i don't believe the car makers are ready for that unless governments around the world which they may because they're morons they may just give these automakers blanket immunity which is ah your car kills somebody don't worry about it but that is going to be the biggest hurdle i think moving forward is that when you take the human driver out of the cockpit and you put it completely in control of a computer system, then if there is a fatality, you can't blame the person in the car. It's completely the fault of the vehicle, completely a fault of the computer system that's guiding it. And again, lawsuits are a big deal. There's a lot of reasons why a lot of things don't happen. And it usually comes down to lawsuits. We talked about that with Larry's book that he wrote, which was just a hilarious, you know, comedy-based book on global warming poking fun at people like al comedy based book that's actually quite mean to al not that he doesn't yes. deserve it but you know and like you said every I, other I read every other that. book larry, he published. Has, larry has a very cutting wit <laughs> yes he's not nice if he doesn't like you and he likes grumpy old beds and we really appreciate that and, and you too uh, can can go read larry's amazingly witty and cutting book that completely shreds al gore in a fun way uh, if you go to uh, that Larry shows Patreon, and you donate, he, he will gladly send you a PDF. Yes. And it was something that was ready. Had a publisher was ready to go. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to, you know, if you get sued, it's you where every other book he had published, the publisher's like, yeah, sign this. If anybody sues us over the content, you know, you're covered. We'll, we'll candle all the legal costs in this case. No. So yeah, there's a lot of things that don't happen because of, well, the legal the, ramifications. The, yes, but the way that I mean, the way things work in America, this is just an observational thing, at least. It is if you have money, um, you are going to have a better chance dodging NSA surveillance than dodging a lawsuit. They just, I, I mean, you, you can kind of treat lawsuits as they they're constantly flying about overhead, and the moment you pop your head up, something's going to hit you. <laughs> That's Maybe. just that's just the the culture, or at least the weather in America. It's, so what else is on the you know, Bemrose list? And, this is the sunny all and cloudy with list. a chance of lawsuits. What else have you always wanted to say here in Grumpy Old Ben's that you've been kept down by the man? Um, my shark doesn't have enough legs. Your shark doesn't have 
enough legs. I don't know. I just is was, that code? No, is no, there a group might, somewhere in the world that has now been triggered? Actually, is there a cell in action now? That that is an in joke amongst some people that I used to hang out with, and uh, I wouldn't say it's something I've always wanted to say on a podcast, but it was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> Because nice. nobody will get it. In fact, the people that will get it probably are not listening to this because they're off doing their own thing. And also, uh, they probably didn't take the the uh, hard turn into anti-government ranting that I do because they're well, that's okay. well-adjusted individuals. It's an interesting thing when you look at what's going on right now where there really is. And on the No Agenda show, they call it Dimension A and Dimension B. And when that so both, ball started, both of them, if, if you are completely in one and can't see across the boundary, both of them are a form of dementia. Oh, well, yes. And I think we're getting when it first started, it was kind of like a minority of the people. And there was some really crazy stuff. And it was this is dimension A and this is dimension B. I think what we are seeing now manifesting itself is the true dimension A and dimension B. There was a story the other day, maybe earlier today on Drudge, which is. You know, things like the economy, President Trump, you know, you go down the list of a lot of these things, especially how good the economy is doing, which really shouldn't be questionable. When you look at the economy, when you look at the numbers of people employed, these are what they are. They're actual statistics. There should be very little room to get an opinion on it. They're either good or they're bad. But it was pointed out that if you're watching Fox News, you think the economy's doing really good and the with the working numbers, the unemployment numbers right now are really good. If you're watching Fox, you think that's great. If you're watching MSNBC, you think everything sucks. You think the economy sucks. And it's interesting to me that we're all if, really if, like just if rats watching, in a cage. If you're watching either one, then you're subjecting yourself to brain frying propaganda. But, go but on. there is no source that isn't. That's the that's yes, the kind of the problem, you can listen right? To, you can listen to grumpy old Ben's. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I would recommend us as a, a really, uh, I mean, no we're agenda. being honest, but I don't think, you know, we don't have the capabilities. I mean, we don't have boots on the ground everywhere. We don't have reporters. We're opinion guys who are basing our opinions what on certain things that we What do you think the New York hear. Times is? They don't have reporters either. They're all opinion guys that sell ads. Right. But that's, they used to. You know, they, at least to a certain extent, at least with grumpy old Ben's, we're up front about it. We are shouting <laughs> our opinions into the ether, and then you are willingly choosing to go listen to them. We are saying their opinions. We're not representing them as anything other than opinions, although I'm always right. But we are we are two opinion guys and we are we're up front about this. The mainstream media is doing exactly the same thing. Fox, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, uh, all of them are, they don't do journalism anymore. They don't do investigations. They'll take too much time and <laughs> there's a chance of lawsuits and sometimes you don't get it. It's just, I mean, it, it's not cost effective when you have to pay you have to get your stories out there. You have to get the eyeballs. You have to get the clicks. You have to get the the people to watch. And, you know, when you do a really in-depth piece that takes a reporter a year and a half to uncover right. some fundamental truth, then you look at that and somebody's like, eh, you know, that's that's an interesting story. And, and I guess it's got some good facts. But let me see, uh, you know, which top 10 ways that, you know, this drink might surprise you is bad. You know, 
clickbait is more cost effective when you just have to get stories out there to get eyeballs to feed your advertisers. It's a corrupt industry. Journalism is dying. It's obsolete. We are the 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 only honest form of journalism left. There's a new story in 15 seconds. So even if the guy worked four years on that story, there's a new story 15 seconds later and people are like, oh, that's wait, we're onto the new thing. Yeah, Your 15 minutes of fame has been compressed for time. <laughs> do you believe, and this is kind of the way I see it. Maybe I'm seeing things completely differently than you do. It used to be when you're talking about dimension A and dimension B. Now let's just take America, the United States, because I don't really know what's going on up in the crazy Canada. You know, you can tell us Carblanes and you can tell us Sir Matthew. We have a lot of JC Jr. We got a lot of Canadians that listen to the show. And we've yeah. got their own issues going there Cold in, in acid, Mexico. Scandinavian. We got a lot. Yeah, and around the world, there's different things going on. But what I'm kind of seeing, at least just in the United States dealing with the politics here, what I used to consider Dimension A people and Dimension B people, it used to be like out of the 100% of the people, there were like 10% that were Dimension A, 10% that were Dimension B, and 80% who were in both that were kind of didn't really care, weren't really taking sides. You could, they would agree with the left people on some, they'd agree with the right people on others. And to me, it seems like we've gone from that, which was a system where compromise could actually work and people could work together. It almost seems now like we're split down the middle at 50, 50 and it's one side against the other. And the other side is always wrong, no matter what they say. And am I, is this, am I reading this wrong or and how well, did this happen? Maybe that's how the demographics sort out over in Chirac. But here on the left coast, we have uh, 85% of people are in dimension B and the other 15% are keeping their damn fool mouths shut lest they be <laughs> run out of town. But it is that there's nobody in the middle, I guess. That's the, uh, yeah. that's kind of what I'm seeing well, here is it, that it, everybody has taken a side now. You can't, almost. Well, first of all, you can't admit that. This is the real tragedy for public discourse is it used to be that you don't get the people on opposite sides into the room because they would just shout at each other and nothing would get done until it came to blows. And then you'd have, you know, cops involved in broken furniture. It was a mess. So you just didn't do that. But both of them would shout loudly at the people in the middle and they'd even, you know, have an occasional discussion. The the real crime for public discourse is somewhere along the way uh, we became so ideological on every side, but of course where I sit, it's always the one side. Uh, But on every side we have become so ideological that we can't abide a centrist position anymore. We can't abide skepticism. We can't abide anybody who says, I don't know. I actually got a, a nasty comment from somebody during our climate change episode, when I said my position on climate change is I don't know. And I got blasted (laughs) because how can you not know? How can you not be? This is absolutely the the science is incontrovertible. There's no question about it. If, if you don't know, then you're obviously alt right. Uh, (laughs) Really just saying, just being skeptical. And that's the thing. If, if we are now at the point where the ideologues are viciously attacking anybody who not just people with the opposite ideology, but anybody who doesn't share their own ideology, then 
of course you're not seeing anybody in the middle because the people in the middle who are just normal folks who want to get on with their everyday life. And by the way, are the majority, the most people are still the people who don't go out and dedicate their lives and slash their wrists over the latest climate scandal or whatever. Um, the majority of the people are normal folks who just want to do their thing, not make waves. Most of them are way too docile. Thanks media, but they just want to go about their lives. They don't want, of course they're not going to say anything. Of course they're not going to talk about, they don't talk about political topics because if you say, yeah, you know, I think there's points on the left and points on the right. Well, now you're going to get blasted by the people on the left for saying there's points on the right. You're going to get blasted by the people on the right for saying there's points on the left. And now everybody hates you for opening your damn fool mouth. Of course, people in the middle aren't going to say anything. So we don't hear anything from centrists anymore. The only political discussions we hear at all are shrill ideologue idiots on the left and shrill ideologue idiots on the right. And that's all we get. Yeah. And I wish there were more of the people that would get into that. I was very surprised the other day, Anderson Cooper, who is very far on the left, had uh, Kamala Harris on and Kamala Harris just very, you know, flippantly was like, well, Rudy Giuliani, he should be in jail. He's obviously committed multiple crimes and Anderson Cooper let her go on for a few minutes. And then he's like, so, uh, you know, you, you, what, what actual crimes do you think that he's committed? Now, let's remember Kamala Harris, a prosecutor, the, the crime very of, familiar, the crime of being accused of something, I think. Yeah, very familiar with laws. So she comes out. Okay, and that says, is a stretch. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I, I can't. The prosecutor should be somewhat familiar false. with the law. Yeah, should be. <laughs> no, this so is- she should be familiar with the law. She said she were doing her committed job. multiple crimes and Anderson Cooper actually asked her, well, well, like, so which, which, which crimes and immediately got the typical lefty answer who was talking to a lift lefty commentator who wasn't expected to be getting this question. Her answer was, of course, well, I don't know. They're going to have to like, uh, you know, like look into it. Well, but you just said he obviously committed a bunch of crimes. And if somebody's going to come out and say that anybody in the public arena has obviously committed multiple crimes, don't you think you should be able to at least list one? Uh, uh, and I, I applaud uh, Anderson saying, Cooper. You, you don't get to be in a political position like head prosecutor of a left coast state by knowing the law that that is not only not part of the job description, but is actively detrimental to getting into a political position like that, because just getting into that position and then holding it, you are going to have to break a lot of laws, uh, mostly around ethics. And you are far better off if you don't know what laws you're breaking. Sad, we but have, true. But so, like Anderson we, we Cooper, the, if somebody would stand up and actually start asking those questions, I would start consuming their content because I would believe they were actually looking for the truth. And I don't care what side you're on, left or right. If you're looking for the truth, I'll watch your program. I'll consume your content. Yeah, we we have. I I think we can do a show. Uh, uh, there's there's a topic that I call the myth of left and right in America. We we because it's politically convenient and because. It resonates with a lot of people. We talk about left and right a lot, but the the very idea that there are two two types of politicians is kind of ridiculous. 
There, there aren't. There's one type of politician, the kind that grabs power. And when they start their career, they have to decide uh, which set of diluted ideologues they want to pander to. And that determines whether they're on the left or on the right. But for the most part, anybody who gets far enough to make it into national politics isn't stuck with their, you know, they, they don't espouse the morals or ideas of their constituency. They're using them for political gain. And really, the, the entire end game, once you get up into national politics level, is personal power. Every yeah, one of them was, is that was one of the lyrics in Little Stevens song that I did a, a random thoughts on uh, the camouflage of righteousness, which said, you know, they let you vote to make you think you have a choice. You, you don't. I mean, there's really very little choice when it comes down to who yeah. you're voting for. And Trump is about the most different politician that we've seen, I think, Trump in our is lifetimes. not a politician. That's right. One of the is- things that I really <laughs> like about him, uh, you know, I well, OK, first of all, it. Even I fall into the trap of, well, you can't possibly say something nice about Trump without saying something negative or you're going to be a Trump lover. Well, you know what? If I'm a Trump lover, so be it. I don't think I'd ever want to play golf with the guy because he's abrasive and kind of a dick. But I really like what he represents for American politics, which is somebody getting into the office who is not a politician. And more importantly, the effect that he's having on the political scene where he came in saying he was going to drain the swamp. He horribly underestimated the the breadth and depth of the swamp. But you know what? Yes. He's stirring the swamp and there's muck coming to the surface and we're seeing this muck. And that's better than anybody before them has done. He is shaking things up. And that whole city has become so complacent in their righteous political telling everybody else in the country what to do. Well, and the deep state is now losing their shit because the investigation of this Russian dossier that has been so much loved by the MSNBC folk, it has uh, as of yesterday. The latest big lie. Well, yeah, that's the the latest big lie. But think about this now. That investigation now has officially turned into a criminal investigation. So the attorney general of the United States now believes that there was, this is now a criminal investigation looking into the origins. We can, we can finally, we can finally criminally investigate the people who started this shit show by uh, making the accusations and, and yes, is appointing Robert Mueller. And yeah, good. Yeah. So the stirring the pot is, I think a very apt, uh, very apt thing for uh, for saying how this is all going to go because th- th- there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out. We're going to see what happens when you have people working in the three letter agencies that are doing things they shouldn't be. And as I know, you have a problem with law enforcement. If you want to talk about that here too, that there are some bad people that are in positions that they probably shouldn't be. Well, oh, and okay. It's, to it's be good clear, to look for them. To be clear, my position on law enforcement is that there are people in law enforcement, and not all people are good. And anybody who assumes that just because they happen to have a job as a cop makes them immediately uh, morally unimpeachable is deluding themselves. There are bad oh, yeah. people in positions of authority who walk around with guns. And the problem with that is not that there are bad people with guns, because for the most part, uh, you know, just like anywhere else, when bad people start doing bad things, we start to weed them out. The problem is that the process of weeding them out is extremely difficult. There's an idea of the thin blue line where we always protect other cops, but is also the fact that we are handing these people 
a ridiculous amount of authority to use force with impunity against the general public. And the, my complaint is not, you know, oh, all cops are bad because they're not most, all cops are people and most people are good people. Most of no, the no, people, wait, you're wrong. We've already proven there oh, are some have, robot police right. now. Well, I, assuming <laughs> yeah, if you want to call that a cop, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but there are, there are good people and there are bad people. And the vast majority of people are good. And the vast majority of law enforcement officers are people who got in because they genuinely want to make the world a better place by stopping bad people from doing things. But there are bad people in the cops and the system is not set up to remove those people. It's not even set up to correctly identify those people because when they're identified, there's a lot of corruption that happens to keep them in their jobs. There's, there's unions, there's, uh, you know, all sorts of effects that prevent us from getting rid of the bad people, even when they're identified. When uh, we had uh, just well, same with just the, the educational day, system and the unions, just the other day, there was a big scandal where uh, a cop who had been involved in an offer officer shooting previously, uh, there was a kid, a 15 year old kid who climbed a fence and was running away from the cops unarmed. And a cop pulled out and shot him in the back of the head because he was suspected of maybe having a crime. Now, police officers are, they're not, they're not the jury to be sure. They make shitty judges and they're not supposed to be the executioner, but for some reason they seem to be. And the, the police department in question in this particular incident said well, we think that, uh, you know, the, everything that according to the reports, everything was according to department policy. And so as with any shooting, he's being put on paid administrative leave, but, uh, he should be back on the street within three weeks. So nothing, he, he gets a paid vacation because he shot somebody who was running away in the back of the head. Now I'm not saying this kid was good. In fact, most of the time that law enforcement gets whipped out on some, what I'm saying is that being suspected, not convicted, suspected of a crime. And I guess if they were chasing, they probably had possible probable cause that does not in itself warrant the death penalty. Now the the cops always will come up with, you know, a lot of times the excuse is, well, public safety. I feared feared for my say a lot of times police officers will say, I fear for my safety. And, you know, that's quite possible if he's charging at you or if he has a weapon. But if he's unarmed and running away, you cannot say that you feared for your safety. That doesn't work. So why else did you decide to give this kid who has not been convicted, not even finished being arrested, although that was going to happen, give him the death penalty with no trial? That needs consequences. That is not a good thing. Oh, I agree. But I think the percentages of that happening are quite low. And we're living again in a society. What was it a year or so ago? There was one of these these jurisdictions that was saying, well, you know what? Uh, We're we're not going to allow, you know, uh, pursuits anymore because there was somebody that was killed in a pursuit, you know, a uh, civilian, not in that one of the people involved in the pursuit got killed in a police chase. And it came down with, well, we're not going to pursue. And it's like, are you fucking crazy? How can you not pursue? I mean, this is a thing where it's like if criminals know. The police can't drive over 55 miles an hour. Then what do you have to do? <laughs> you just got to drive 70. You're gone. Hey, listen, They're never going to be able to catch you. If, if we as a country are choosing to trust and put our belief in news stories that say that there is a mass shooting 
every five minutes and therefore guns need to be removed from normal law abiding citizens, then under that logic, it only makes sense that we must also believe that there is a police murdering somebody every five minutes and we need to take all the guns away from cops as well. Well, we don't believe I'm, any of the stuff I'm you see in the mainstream that logic media. Is sound. No, no, I, I, I'm more along the lines of give everybody once they hit, you know, 18, 21, give them a handgun and be like, carry this with you at all times. Oh, I, I bet absolutely you the believe. world. And I bet you know, you're, the work gets a lot more polite. You know what? You're, the need for cops to have guns is going to go down significantly because the number of crimes being committed will go down significantly if everybody has a gun. But of course, you know, the left coast type people who are just legislating from emotion saying, well, I don't want to get shot. I actually saw somebody on no agenda social. I posted something that that basically was in favor of the second amendment saying that people should have guns. Somebody on no agenda social, I'm not going to name names said, well, yeah, but I think everybody's guns should be taken away because I don't want to get shot. Uh, that's I, I can't argue well, I with bet you that same person. And we're going to be talking about guns tomorrow yeah. on a very special grumpy old Ben. So we'll, we'll get I'm, into this. I'm just in saying, depth, I, but... I can't argue with that logic because there fucking isn't any. That's pure emotion. Well, no, it's like saying, I don't, I don't want to get run over by a car, so I guess nobody can have a car. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that. Yeah, you know, there's. I don't want to get. Uh, there's a lot of things. I don't want to be hit in the head with a baseball bat. Nobody can have baseball bats. I don't want well, to get stabbed. Okay. We're phasing out. So baseball. nobody can have a knife. Yeah, I don't want to get stabbed with a fork. So now nobody can have forks or knives. I mean, to tell you the truth, I don't even want to get stabbed with a spoon. So when you get down to it, all utensils should probably become illegal. And everybody has to take their forks, knives, and spoons to their local police department you know and that, hand them in. You know that people grow these sharp appendages on the end of their fingers that could also be used to harm people, which means that oh, we're, going, yes. we're going to need to start having mandatory fingernail pulling. <laughs> at, at what this point the, are, are we now in an authoritarian police state again? That is, that's really the question. I just looked over at the, cause I've got uh, my computer here on the desk with my rig and my wife's computer is just on the desk next to me and nobody's sitting there. Nothing's going on. And uh, just blue screen <laughs> Microsoft. <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, that's the is, first time I've seen that in a while. Is this where you cue Fletcher? I should because oh, yeah, that's when you look over and randomly have a computer blue screen that was doing nothing. Microsoft sucks. I get zero fucks. Cause Microsoft sucks. I do like that the biggest thing on the screen is the the sad face emoji and then a QR code. Okay, like, here's, gonna- here's the question. Is it still the blue screen or has it changed? Because I know that the a recent version, I think the blue screen changed to green. Another it is color? a bluish green. Okay. Yeah, it is a bluish green. So thanks, Microsoft, now, for upgrading. Now, upgrading just just to be style. clear, you do have that computer <laughs> set to automatically send all of your personal data to Microsoft. I mean, to automatically send the crash report to Microsoft. Because no. I, I happen to know from experience that when they receive those crash reports, and, and it's not just one, because if it's one, they're like, ah, eh, fuck this guy. But if if we get if Microsoft receives enough crash reports, then they will, you know, it, it is all of the crash reports are thrown into a big database and then they sift through and be like, OK, there was a thousand reports of crashes in this particular line of code. So let's go ahead and investigate and see if we can fix that. So they, they do use that information. 
Uh, although if, if you're the only person who's ever had it, of course, they're not going to look at it. You have to, they, they do things in aggregate. But of course, if you never send it, then your, your opinion doesn't count. Well, yeah, that's because they want, I really, I'm kind of always curious what information goes with these reports and all that. Maybe we can touch on that in another show. But what I'm thinking for her machine, because really she does internet email. The only thing she does that is any uh, intensive at all would be using this Fujitsu or whatever it is, document scanner, which I know they have Linux drivers. So I'm thinking of picking up the new uh, Raspberry Pi 3, which is supposed to be more than fast enough for basic stuff, and just hooking that up and see how it goes. Because, you know, it's a simple little thing. When, when you don't do audio, video production and all the photo uh, Photoshop stuff like I do on my machine, I'm kind of stuck with Windows. But for people that do just basic stuff, and this new Raspberry Pi 3, or is it the 4 now? Uh, maybe the 4. It's supposed to be more than fast enough for a basic desktop. So it would be interesting to see if we're finally at that point for a sub $100 complete, you know, the computer, the memory, of course, on the machine itself. Just put a little drive on there and attach it to your monitor and keyboard and you're good to go. We'll, we'll be testing that out because I think that might be time to, to give that a try because the random just blue screens for no apparent reason. I need uh, it. Not any fun. I need to answer a question from uh, JC Jr. in the chat room asked a relevant question, which is why is it not a red screen? And the actual reason, uh, which is something that I heard from the program manager who was in charge of the feature is that red makes people angry. And when (laughs) when your computer blue screens, we want to calm you down so you don't hate the product any more than you already do it it literally is it is blue because blue is a calming color and it causes people to slow down and not get as angry with the company because of what the operating system is doing your computer has crashed all of your data has been lost see Please take a deep breath. Facebook does shit like removing the dislike button or whatever in order to psychologically manipulate you. Microsoft just changes the color of their blue screens. Which of these companies (laughs) is worse? But they were probably they probably had to go through meetings, which took weeks, if not months of people going out and doing um, in polls and and talking to people to figure out which color would be perfect though for that screen oh absolutely once you decide on you know which green or which blue well there's so many different shades you know let's focus group that and figure that out microsoft does use a lot of focus groups but not for the specific program details Uh, you know i i can't tell you whether this is a good thing or a bad thing with the the rate of psychological manipulation from silicon valley i almost think it might be good but at Microsoft, uh, a lot of the big design strokes, like what's going to be here, or or should we uh, should we replace the start menu with a full screen experience that pisses people off? That all happens with high level pr- designers. However, all of the little features, like what shape should a button be, or uh, where to position a text box, is not done by designers. It's done by engineers and. The, you know, this is you can tell the difference between, say, a Microsoft product and an Apple product or a Microsoft and a Facebook product is they don't have designers with PhDs in psychology deciding where every little thing goes. What they have is engineers throwing shit together 
and I think some that, of it works, it, some doesn't. It, some of it does, but you know, on the one hand, it, it's a little bit refreshing because it, what it means is that I'm not being psychologically manipulated by whether that rectangle has rounded or square corners. That's that's kind of nice to know that there wasn't a a psychological reason behind that. They just did it because it was whichever was easier to code. On the other hand, there's a lot of lack of polish where you look at this and go, this was totally designed by an engineer. Well, because some people just want stuff to work. And it's been an interesting thing as a guy that did web design when the web first started. And you go back and you look at some of the early web pages, which I have almost everything I've ever done saved somewhere or one place or another. And they were all HTML. So you didn't need to have a database or anything for them to run. And you go look at the design of web pages when they first started. And they were some very simplistic pages, as you know. And then you moved through a bunch of different phases because everybody was only looking at the internet through a desktop. So they were looking at it, well, through CRTs at the time. And then we finally moved to LCDs, but you were looking at larger screens and everything was built upon this large screen. And we've cycled finally back, which is a good thing, I believe. Now that cell phones exist, although I think there are some cell phones now that might be bigger than the monitors we first had when we started. (laughs) Um, but we're, we're, we're finally back in web design to getting things, getting information to the person that is looking at your website rather than trying to impress them with your design skills without having things dancing around the you know, screen. You, you say that, but at the same time, every time I go to grumpyoldbens.com, our website, the very first thing that I have to do before I can do anything Scroll. else on the site is fucking Branding. page down scroll you got to get the grumpy old Ben's logo yeah that's putting the logo up front that's pure design you're not putting the information up front you've chosen to use a wordpress theme that is the opposite of putting the information up front you made it so that you have to not only load the web page but now you have to scroll before you can do anything that's you don't if you're on your phone which is where most people actually get their podcasts yeah well most most people need to learn how to use a damn desktop again Get off my lawn. Is that the, is, is that the Bemrose? Uh, is that your new thing? Everybody get back on your desktops. Get off my get lawn, you youngins. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that. You're, you're a cranky old. <laughs> Dvorak says you're not old enough. I don't know. You definitely have the grumpy, cranky part down. And, uh, and we're, we're happy about that. It's, so is there anything else on this insane in the Bembrain episode that Blitz gave us the title for? Is there anything else on your list that we need to cover here before we go into our donation segment? and? And close this one out. Well, I do need a bit of bitch about daylight saving time. Okay. I uh, uh, really just saying those three words is probably everybody knows. <laughs> I actually, I, it, which is why it's not its own episode. It's, it's just like, no. I don't like daylight savings time. Thank you. We'll see yes. you next week. Well, <laughs> send in your, when, send in your blankets. You and know, cash. The, the funny thing is, uh, we are, uh, what ne- it's next week. Like, uh, eight days from now, I think is when, uh, America, the United States switches back from daylight time to standard time. It's coming up really soon. Uh, And the funny thing is, and the reason why I was thinking about it is that we released show one only a few days after the last switch back in March. So uh, grumpy old Ben's is now half a year old. We now have gone an entire cycle of daylight time. And I remember when we were coming up with the very first topics for what are we going to do our show about? And I was listing a bunch of things. One, it was, it's one of the oldest things that have gone into my notes file. And 
it it was never enough for a full episode but i i gotta say enough is enough we're not a nation of farmers anymore the you know depending on who you ask the reason given for constantly swapping time every twice a year is because uh, you know it some people will say it's because you save more energy in the long summer evenings because people turn the lights on later maybe uh and others are saying well it's so that farmers can have more daylight to harvest their crops frankly i think that's kind of bullshit because you get the same amount of daylight no matter what and a farmer who needs to take advantage of that daylight is going to just get up earlier so right. they have yeah, the farmers aren't on a clock so i'm not feeling farmers like, aren't on a clock. i'm not feeling like farmers is all that important maybe the energy saving thing is because uh we've definitely moved most of our society we we used to get up with the sunrise and go to bed with the sunset you know back when there was no lighting uh and now we for the most part will get up whenever and then go to bed several hours after sunset and so maybe maybe pushing it so that sunset is later might not be a bad idea uh my what I do know is that any marginal benefit from the power saving for whatever has got to be less than the productivity benefit of completely fucking with everybody's circadian cycles <laughs> twice a year by taking almost everybody in the country and forcibly yanking them into another time zone. So that's that, by the way, is what it is, is you're. You're changing the time zone right now. My time zone is Pacific daylight time, which is UTC minus seven. And two weeks from now, my time zone, I, I will not be in UTC minus seven. That will be Phoenix and Salt Lake city. Uh, my time zone will be uh, UTC minus eight Pacific standard time. Also, as long as I'm bitching about time zones, um, all you people who are playing fast and loose <laughs> with time zones, Need to sh- nothing ever comes good after all you people. Nothing oh, ever comes good I, after those I, words. I heard fucking Dvorak <laughs> do this. It he said Pacific Standard Time when he was talking about the current time zone. Pacific Standard Time is a fucking hour out to the ocean. We are not on Pacific Standard Time. In fact, Southern Alaska might be, or Western British Columbia, I'm not sure. But there's basically nobody in the continental US on pacific standard time right now pacific standard time is utc minus eight we're on utc minus seven we're not on standard time stop saying oh this is going to happen at 7 p.m pacific standard time when you mean pacific daylight time that's maybe if people get (laughs) fucking confused people are retarded and then whenever you've got somebody who actually understands the difference i have to sit there and go okay does he actually mean it's seven o'clock standard time which means it's actually six o'clock or is he just completely retarded and doesn't understand what a fucking time zone is maybe i i i people need to either be more precise or a better idea. We need to stop randomly switching our fucking time zones back and forth all the time because it just screws up productivity. It screws up people's rhythms and it causes people to make mistakes when they say, you know, central daylight time and what they really mean is Eastern standard. We all just need to go back to uh, gene, which is mean time. You crickets. got me. I hear I, the crickets. <laughs> it's I'm, the sorry, crickets. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Weren't you the, the one saying all my jokes never land? <laughs> yes. But the you're right. I mean, the, the th- interesting thing is when it comes to the daylight savings time is I believe that science has proven oh, don't, that don't it even, causes don't like even heart trigger me by putting an that. S on an extra S on saving. <laughs> and it, it causes heart attacks and 
people having to change. And it causes I, mean, me, I don't really care. I get up anyway. And, uh, you know, I get up at the same time. And I believe one of the things I remember hearing was, well, kids are going to school and they want it to be lighter when the kids are going to school so they don't get hit by cars and, and those kind of things, which I get. But here's an idea. Because the farmers work on their own schedule. Farmers are not punching in yeah. at a nine to five day. So the farmers and, thing and, makes and no sense. And if you have sense. to feed farm the, animals, the farm animals aren't watching the clock. They're not going to switch. <laughs> <laughs> if they are, they're really smart farm animals. But if it is because of something like, well, the kids are going to school and we want them going in the light move school an hour later yeah, you don't actually school. have to change the time or, zone or and here's a crazy idea that actually has worked in many cities you pipe electricity into special fixtures above the sidewalk that produces light they have those they have leds now even i think as you can save our, our little town here is spending like forty five thousand dollars to retrofit all of the oh i forget what they call them the but the current lights that are out there whatever gas that they use to LEDs, which makes sense. I mean, it's something crazy, like $13,000 worth of electricity a year that's going to be saved by moving to these new lights. So they'll pay for themselves in a few years. But and also, I'm sure that it, I'm sure that there are places where it's actually a concern being in the dark. Like if, if you live in Jerkwad, South Dakota, then when it's night, you, you, it's probably actually dark, especially if there's any kind of cloud cover or something, you don't have starlight. But let me tell you where I am in the middle of the city. It never gets dark. I can shut off all of the electricity to my house and it is still bright enough to read a book by because of all of the light pollution coming in the windows from the city itself. Cities are not dark. And I agree. DC girl in the chat room, the cool LED lights look horrible. You need to get the warm tinted LEDs, which is something I mean for. I was one of those guys for a while when they were making the changeover and making it illegal to buy the old incandescent bulbs. I stocked up on a few of the hundreds because the compact fluorescent bulbs are horrible and, and the cool LEDs are horrible, but the warm LEDs actually simulate the incandescent bulbs pretty darn well, I think. And as long as we're, as long as we're talking about lighting, I mean, I'm still, I'm clearly still triggered. So um, anybody <laughs> here, is there anybody here who has had to work in an, work in an office or a classroom or be in a place where they had uh, non-electronic old-style fluorescent ballasts, where the lighting was blinking at sixty hertz, goddamn <laughs> epilepsy them, machine. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Uh, I, they can do some. I, I can't naughty things. I can't nasty set things. my monitor to sixty hertz refresh rate. I have to go for like sixty-five or seventy or fifty or something. Just I because seeing anything blink. At 60 cycles per second brings back my PTSD. Fucking call it. Good to know. Now we know how to trigger that. We know how to trigger that. Oh, so that's you, good. You've got 32 episodes worth of content <laughs> to trigger me. You know how to do it by I, now. I think, yeah, I think we've triggered you at least once in every episode. So that is my superpower. Although it might be said that people walking up to you and saying, hi, can you smell Cinnabon? And you'll just go crazy. Well, there are some schools of thought that says Sir Bimrose is self-triggering. Well, there was a school of thought and no agenda that I'm just a well-crafted AI, but that may be true. You can't prove against it. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that no human can put out that much art during the showtime. See, I'm actually not even here right now. I've just programmed a computer with my voice that this is just an AI talking to you and you have no idea. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you just decided to troll <laughs> me like that. I, it, it can happen. It would be the ultimate Eliza. If anybody's old enough to remember the Eliza program. 
which was an old basic thing that ran even i think i'm the old uh, trs 80 color computer where it would just respond to some very specific keywords and just ask you questions like how do you feel about that or why do you feel this you know it's some very basic stuff where some people were confused at least for a moment or two that were would have thought they were talking to a human and and that's getting harder and harder now that test is getting uh harder to differentiate sometimes now between machines and real people but i can assure you at least for now we should close up the show before i start ranting about having to talk to a computer every time you call a corporate uh customer service line Oh, those are great. Press one if you want. Well, now it's always the first thing is, you know, press nine or press something if you want to continue in Spanish, which I don't understand. There are so many languages besides English or Spanish. Why isn't it click one or press one if you want English? Press two for Spanish. Press three for French. What about Sir Mathieu? He wants to speak French. Where's that? Where's that number three? Where's number four if you want to speak Portuguese? Where's number five if you want to speak Gaelic? Where's well, the, let's just go down the line. Well, the answer is because fuck you. <laughs> we I don't do want know, your I business. I do know that whenever I call one of those and I get an automated system like that, my my first inclination is to hammer the zero key and see if I can get the stupid thing to error out and connect me with a person. And if that doesn't work, then I throw the phone against the wall and then ask my wife to dial on her phone because she has a lot more patience than I do. <laughs> This we know. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And I'm sure there are some more rants in there. But now you've got. So I don't want you complaining anymore that you we don't we we don't allow you to speak. We don't allow you to talk about what you want to. You you've got you, all I those mean, those topics that you wanted to get. You don't want me complaining anymore. Are you saying? <laughs> well, are you me. saying we're never going to make it to show 33? <laughs> Episode you just 32 want, is the you final just, grumpy old. Benz. You just want the show to end. You don't want me complaining anymore. <laughs> I don't want you complaining to me. That's what I mean. I want you complaining to everybody else because. So you're saying all the rest deserve. of our shows are going to be guest hosted. Right. Maybe I will bring somebody else along for the fun. See how long they can take it. I hear Mark Von Dyke might be in the running for that. Uh, he's uh, the Mark and George show is announced yesterday during the pre-stream might be coming to an end, but uh, we'll, we'll find out. We'll see what once they hit episode 50, what happens there. Always check out the No Agenda stream for all sorts of good shows going on, including Grumpy Old Ben's as really, I think it's the number two show. You're listening to the Grumpy Old Ben's. Grumpy Old Ben's runs all the time. Two old guys yelling at the cloud. Darren O'Neill. And Sir Ryan Bemrose. Neither one of you are that old. GrumpyOldBen's.com. Best promo ever. I like the. Did did you do that by yourself? Was that just you like you breathing into the microphone or something? No, that was Adam during the show when they were talking about doing it for theirs. That was his. Oh. Uh, that was, so I just took out no agenda show and replaced it with the grumpy old Ben stuff. It's yeah, audio the, editing. The, it's, it's that deep fake you're worried about. Yeah, no, that is actually Adam Curry, the podfather, the guy that invented all of this podcasting stuff uh, with a nice little promo. Yes. For the grumpy old Ben's. So always check out the no agenda stream.com. And of course. Go to grumpyoldbens.com for all of the latest Grumpy Old Benz content. That's where you can subscribe. That's where you can donate. And this week, we do have an executive producer in our buddy, Black Six, who had no comment to go along with that. So thank you, Black Six, for being the executive producer. And the associate executive will give it to Sir John Fletcher for, again, getting a monthly donation from him. And we appreciate that. You can do yes. either. You can do a one-time donation. You can do a monthly donation. Sir John Fletcher, of course, of the Hog Story podcast, which uh, paraphrasing John C. Dvorak is some girl 
talking to some guy about some stuff. I, I heard <laughs> I heard that the Hog Story podcast is, in fact, the trendiest podcast in the universe. It was in the Mueller report. There's a lot in there. You yeah. just have to read the yeah. whole you thing. You just have to read but between if, the lines and realize that everything it doesn't specifically say isn't true must be true. Exactly. Well, and if it, and I, I just, I, I, I want to say I, I appreciate all of our donors. It, it's uh, everybody who takes the time to, to listen, to talk about, to tell people about, and especially uh, to give financially to the show. You're the people who make podcasting, make good podcasts, keep going and, and keep us on the microphone, on the no agenda stream, on the air. Uh, if, if you want to hear more unhinged Sir Bemrose, then this is the way to do it. And I agree with no agenda saying that the way that podcasts work and, and is don't that think, everybody's a producer. And don't think that if you don't donate that you won't hear unhinged Sir Bemrose, you just <laughs> might not be able to shut it off. Oh, well, so they, they're paying to stop it. That's an interesting way to go about it. If you want to hear less, pay us, we'll stop. But everybody's a producer and the people that come along in the chat room during the show, we appreciate that. The people that listen, we appreciate that. The people that are tweeting at us and emailing us, including our buddy, sir, dude named Benonymous, who did have his Helm server crash, but uh, they sent him a new one in a couple of days and it's back up and running. So I'm still, yes. I'm intrigued by that. We'll see how that goes. But you I, can I gotta say, take keep, part in the show. Uh, keep sending in the Tolstoy. It is, uh, it, it's a, a long read, um, and and I don't know that we're going to be able to get much uh, much of the content onto the show. But uh, he's laying down the information, and uh, I everybody who sends a note to Ryan at Grumpy Old Bins to Darren at Grumpy Old Bins, uh, I definitely read that stuff. And uh, I mean, I didn't think coming into this that I had any more that I could possibly learn because I thought I knew everything. And <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm having trouble. That's not true. Well, no, I'm I'm I still believe that, but let's just say I'm having more trouble holding on to the belief. It's, it's slipping away from you a little bit, and I know you like to make fun of me because I look at the overall downloads and how much bandwidth that we've been using, and it's been good because every month that the show has existed has served up more bandwidth and MP3s than the previous month and already october is no different than that we've already surpassed the uh, september and with unless we just take the website down there's no doubt we're going to hit over a terabyte of traffic served for the year which is something that if you were to have asked me when we started this back in april what the thoughts were on downloads and bandwidth and how many people were going to be listening i would have probably given you a much lower number and we really appreciate everybody that's listening everybody that's subscribed on one of the you know whether it's itunes which it's it's different now it's like the apple podcast store on android however you're subscribing if you've left a review on any one of those we appreciate it if you haven't that would do a uh, that would be a big favor to us if you could do a review on one of those sites because people when you're looking for new podcasts as we mentioned earlier in today's episode i think there's like over nine hundred thousand podcasts out there so seeing even a little sentence or two from somebody that's listening to the show saying what it's about saying they liked it goes a big way if somebody's just kind of scrolling through these things looking for new podcasts but the the traffic's been good we the listener we're, we're picking up listeners which is good i know you kind of thought once everybody heard the full bemrose 
they'd back away a little bit, but they're embracing. But to the be full honest, Bemrose, I didn't so think we'd is. ever have a listener more than one show. I thought my voice was going to just drive them <laughs> away, running, screaming, holding their ears. Well, we fix it all in the post. By the time the show yes. hits the airwaves, you sound like James Earl Jones, man. You are sounding good. I, James, no, man. I'd rather sound like Larry. <laughs> Mr. Velvet, they call Larry. <laughs> that Larry show.com. He does have the voice. He is the storyteller. And you should always be, uh, you should be listening to Larry too. It was along with grumpy old Ben's random thoughts, hug story, the Mark and George show, even though that might only be going 50 episodes. And of course the no agenda show, all of these shows exist on the no agenda stream along with Nick, the rat. And uh, you can get a lot of your podcasting done. All of your podcasting, listening done just by checking out that stream and checking out the shows on that stream. And we thank the people for listening. We thank the people that have donated. And we really, even though uh, Sir Bemrose doesn't like being told he's wrong, we appreciate the people that write in with information, tell us we got things wrong. And if uh, we can confirm that, we will definitely, unlike the mainstream media, we put it up front and say, hey, we screwed up. I absolutely appreciate people writing in and telling Darren that he's wrong. (laughs) That is your favorite thing. So until next time, I have been Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chicago, Illinois, where I can see red and I can see green. And from America's left coast, where if you're behind the wheel, you only see red. I'm Ryan Bemrose. It means you're angry. You ever been on the freeways here? <laughs>